Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. And welcome in to the Lakers weekend. It is Sunday, May 21st. This is your host, Magic Man, a.k.a. Sean Grace. And we're here for a Lakers weekend with a very special guest. I have the lead writer of DenverStiffs.com, Mr. Gage Bridgeford, who's taken some time out of his immensely busy schedule to come talk to us about the Lakers and Nuggets series. And Gage... Welcome to the Lakers Fast Break and the Lakers Weekend. Happy to have you aboard, man. Uh, glad to be here. Um, I have this is my first podcast in about a month and a half uh, covering anything because I also cover uh, Packers content for uh, the Pack a Day podcast and some other stuff that I do uh, with baseball season. As you and I were talking before we got on here, that was something that I had just been busy doing. So this is my first time actually getting to talk in real life about sports because I just don't really get to do it at my job because the guys that I work with are not. Not big basketball fans. Let's just put it that way. 100% understand. Um, We are huge basketball fans. So, Gage, I really want to pick your brain over this series, man. So, look, we can can go through all three games one by one, but that would be a waste of both our times. Um, Denver has just dominated this series. Um, Let's just go all the way to where we – the rubber meets the road, man. Uh, in the fourth quarter, Denver has outscored the Lakers 101-76 to in, in the three games. Um, a plus-25 differential in three games is very impressive. Um, they've been doing it in a myriad of different ways. Um, th- Ten of the 12 quarters have just been like dominated by Jamal Murray. Um, Nicola has done his thing. And the role players stepped up in game three, Gage. So it, it's been a myriad of ways that the Nuggets are finding ways to win. How would you evaluate this series? And how do you think they've been just so efficiently dominating the Lakers? So I think that one big thing is the fact that they win in more than one way. They don't just win in, like there's so many teams that they win by doing one thing well. and that's not how Denver does things. And everyone's everyone that is a, I'm going to call it a casual NBA fan would say, Oh, well the nuggets have Jokic. That's their winning guy. And the reason they would say that is that's the one guy that 
is talked about when it comes to Denver normally. And that's fine. I get that. But when you think about even Jokic himself has two different ways that he can really beat you. You have his ability as a scorer along with his ability as a as a playmaker for everybody else. I mean, he is put up he had two triple doubles to start the series, uh, and that was going back to having multiple triple doubles in the previous series to close out the Suns. He he continuously gets everybody involved. And that is one thing that when he does that, it actually opens up the floor for like him as like obviously everybody around him, but it also opens it up for him because then the defense has a choice. They have to either stay out on shooters, which right now the Nuggets have between KCP who had a huge game in game four as well, or in game three, as well as in the Sun series. Uh, he had, I think it was game, it was game two, though, which was the one that was the really close slugfest all th- throughout. And he had three, he had like three threes to close out the third quarter and start the fourth quarter that really swung the game in their favor. You have Jamal Murray has been shooting just an absolutely ludicrous clip in this series already. I believe he's got shooting splits of like 50, let's see, 52, 45, 93. That's just you can't ask for better numbers out of him, and especially on his high volume. He shot 33 three-point attempts in the series, and he's shooting 45%. You can't ask for a better number from him. So the way that Denver is winning this series, and it's seemingly looking so dominant, is just the fact that it's not one thing. And that's why, that's why they're so tough to cover and have been so tough to cover all year long, is just the fact that you're like, okay, well, Jokic is having an off night, and we have AD, and AD has played Jokic well for the most part. I mean, Jokic is still going to put up his numbers just because that's the way the NBA works now. You can only shut guys down so much, especially a guy like Jokic who can get buckets basically everywhere inside the three-point arc is a, is a green zone for him, or a, it's a red, if you're playing 2K, it's a red zone for him where he's going to make shots there. And even then, like the, the shot that I think it was, I can't remember if it was game two, or game one where he's fallen away from the bat. I think it was game one. He's fallen away from the basket right at the end of the third quarter. AD plays perfect defense on him. And then Jokic just makes it anyway. Like, what are you going to do? You're like, like if you're AD, you're like, what the heck am I supposed to do, man? I got him falling away from the basket. He's two feet outside the three-point line. He's far away. I have a hand in his face. I don't know what else I'm supposed to do here. And there's just, that's why they win is you can't stop them from doing everything in their playbook. You take away, like if you're NFL, you take away the run, they can pass on you. Take away the pass, they can run. They can win in so many different ways, and that's what makes them just so difficult to cover on the offensive end. And their defense, the way you beat them on defense is transition. And so far, the, the Lakers have not been able to take advantage of that consistently throughout every quarter. They'll do it for spurts here and there. It's just not happening often enough to put them over the top in these games. No, you're absolutely correct about that, uh, Gage. And on our side, that's one thing we were talking about. It was it was obvious, right? If you can run transition, maybe you can't keep up with Denver in the half court, but you can stay in the game because, you know, transition defense is a weakness for them. Another thing we were talking about on our side was um, the, the inability for – other teams to um, play the pick and roll game consistently against them because Michael Malone was able to uh, really put in a good defensive scheme after game four against Phoenix, where they were able to control 
how much screen and roll was going on with them. And the Lakers are also finding it difficult gauge because during this little run that they've been having, um, and by the way, we're all surprised that we're even talking to you about the Lakers being in the Western Conference Finals, but I digress. Um, the pro- the point was is that the Lakers were very efficient uh, in screen and roll. However, in this series, Denver and particularly Jokic and their perimeter defenders have just done a really good job of taking away the Lakers' primary options when it comes to those pick and roll and screens. And the Lakers aren't patient enough to wait it out. So that vaunted Lakers defense has been kind of exposed a little bit. And Denver has shown their chops defensively. I mean, I still think there's a little bit of uh, problems on the interior. But Gage, on the perimeter, Denver is playing really well defensively. Yeah, and... And honestly, so you said you're a little surprised. I mean, like, we're all surprised to see the Lakers still playing here. Truthfully, I'm not all that surprised from the standpoint of if you had told me at the beginning of the season that they'd be here, I just looking at the roster they had, I'd be like, no, no, they they won't be playing here. But the trade deadline acquisitions and, like, really the only big one that is still making waves consistently is Rui. Like, Malik Beasley, not really contributing hardly at all. Uh, I love Vanderbilt, or at least I have since he was in Denver. Uh, and I love, I think that every team needs a guy like him. I think that he is, he, uh, Matisse Thybul is, or Thybul is another example. Like the guys that everyone kind of looks down on because they're not elite shooters. Well, sorry. Guess what they are? Elite defenders. And Vanderbilt is a guy that at his size, he can cause problems for players at just about every position. 6'9, 214 pounds. He's got a super long wingspan. He can do everything you need him to do on the defensive end, and then if you can just put him in the right spots on offense, he can do stuff for you. Uh, I think that playing against a team like Golden State, it wasn't really the best matchup on for him on offense beca- when he was on offense because they were like, fine, you can shoot, man, but we're going to make sure you can't drive because they knew that's what he was going to want to do. And if he's going to cut off of a guy, like, like if you got a guy like LeBron running initiating your offense or um, Another, let's see, or like a D'Lo when uh, he's initiating the offense, you can go ahead and get him cutting towards the basket, and he's gonna score a lot more often than not because he's just so big, so long, so athletic. Uh, similar to a uh, similar example is Aaron Gordon, who Aaron Gordon's a little beefier, a little shorter, but that's what they that's what they do. They'll spot up and they'll occasionally hit shots, but for the most part, they're gonna be cutting to the rim and they're gonna beat you with their size, their speed, their athleticism. It's something that I've been, I was championing for ever since Denver got Aaron Gordon. I'm like, get him moving and just find a way to switch him onto a smaller defender if you can. Like uh, there was a play in, I think it was game, I think it was game two. Aaron Gordon got switched onto uh, Austin Reeves in like the, I think it was like the first or second quarter, and he just bullied him. And I'm like, I don't know why you're not doing that way more often. I mean. Aaron Gordon is not a elite post player. He's not a back to the basket guy that's going to put up a put up huge numbers like Jokic or Embiid or whatever. But he but if you get him switched onto a smaller guy like Reeves, he's going to take advantage of that and vice versa. If you can find a big wing that or a big forward that can handle him physically, most of the time those guys aren't fast enough to stick with him and then that's when you can get him if he can get blown by or blow by him on a cut, get a layup. I've always I've been a LeBron fan since he came into the NBA. 
Uh, most people, I'm from Indiana, for those that don't know me, and that's fine. Not the most popular thing to be a LeBron fan in Indiana. He obviously knocked out the Pacers a couple times. I had people my freshman year of college when he hit the layup at the buzzer that was very controversial. I had a 20-minute review. People wanted to fight me because I was happy that he hit it, but it's like I've been a LeBron fan forever. So seeing the transit, like trades that they made, I think I was like, yeah, no, it makes sense. Plus, they're doing the thing that I, I say you need to do in every single sport to win a championship. It's be healthy at the right time and play your best basketball at the right time, which are the Lakers, they're definitely playing their best basketball and they're healthy. That was the big thing all year was if LeBron and AD can give you six to eight weeks of healthy basketball, you can compete with anybody as, as long as the role players are making shots. And I mean, when Rui's putting up big nights, and Austin Reeves has been playing out of his mind, shooting better than he has all year long. Not even close. Like, it is better than he has shot all year. That is going to be a recipe for success. And then it just becomes a matter of, can you get enough stops to match the point production on the other end? This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. My last movie that I saw in the theaters was The Last Skywalker. I know, condolences to me. Wow, man. Right. I I just had talked about that and I completely forgot that I saw that movie. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't speak great things about it, I suppose. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Absolutely, Gage. Absolutely. And I think we all knew as as Laker fans coming into the playoffs that at least on that side of the bracket, you had two teams that they were playing that both had flaws as well. And let me tell you something. For for the whole year, we were really on Darvin Ham's case. Um uh, one was load management. Another was his rotational issues. Another was uh, just his overall game management. Now, uh, he's still a rookie head coach. And some of the flaws have been shown in this series as well because Michael Malone is a seasoned season coach. And uh, he's been re- – I've noticed he's been really more aggressive on the sidelines uh, in the half court, especially when they're on defense than he has in the past. I'm wondering, ha- have you noticed any small change in his coaching philosophy that has uh, that has maybe changed something in, in this group? Because they've been together for a while. They do have that cohesion, but it just seems like defensively they've just stepped up their game another level. Well, I think it's a couple of things. For one... They're all healthy at the same time for the first time ever. Like everyone, like for every single national reporter that went on and said, Jokic hasn't made a finals. Jokic hasn't done enough in the playoffs. Jokic hasn't done this, that, the other. I tell them 
you know what? You go back and you look two years ago in the playoffs when Jamal Murray got hurt and then Monte Morris got hurt and Will Barton got hurt and every single other guard that that team had got hurt and the Nuggets were starting and playing and they were getting big minutes out of Shaq Harrison and Faku Campazzo, which I now that I said that, I'm going to get death threats from Argentina. Uh, that's just how it goes. If you don't know about the wonder that is Faku, that is just how the fans in Argentina are. Um, but that's what they were getting. That's that's who was starting. And Jokic won a series with those guys. Jokic won a series. He beat Portland, who everyone was like, oh, Portland's got all these guards, can do all this. Dame had a huge game in, I think it was game four, uh, but they still came up short. I'm pretty sure Denver won the series 4-1, if I remember correctly, because Denver still doesn't have a sweep in their playoff history. But they like that's what they had that year. And then last year, they go up against Golden State in round one. And, oh, and then they played Phoenix in round two, which Phoenix was loaded with guards between Chris Paul, Devin Booker. Uh, I think they still had campaign then. They had, I don't think, they, they didn't have Shamit. They had somebody else. I just can't remember who their fourth guy was that was like their regular rotation guard. But they just, they had all this guard play. So yeah, Denver's going to lose that. But then you go and you look at now, everybody's healthy. You have KCP, Bruce, Jamal. Knock on wood, but Bruce Jamal, uh, MPJ, and MPJ is playing like he had six assists last night. I'm pretty sure he had four or fewer assists in every single game all season. That's not even just like a like a oh career. That's like all season long he had four or fewer assists in every single game, and that was just an example of guys are doing the the little things. And people called Michael Porter Jr. a selfish player because he comes up the floor and he's hoisting up a shot if he sees. An inch of separation. He's like, I'm getting this shot off. And then he took, he got six assists last night. That's what he needs to do. But on the defensive end, guys are buying in because, and this is what Michael Malone's been saying. Like, if so, as somebody that's, I've covered the Nuggets for three and a half years now, I believe, three and a half, four years. And this is what Michael Malone, all he ever wanted was guys to buy in on the defensive end. He knew the offense was going to come because you have Jokic, Murray, MPJ, uh, Aaron Gordon, like you have all those guys, the offense is going to come. It's just a matter of locking in on defense. And when you kind of take the month, last month of the season off, which I agree, it probably costs Jokic an MVP, but all of them care about what matters most, and that's team glory. And they have, at the end of every game, they have a, a, a chain that gets handed out to the best defense player of the game. Obviously, Coach Malone hands it out, but it's like it's handed out to who he thinks was the best defensive player in the game. I think at the in game six, uh, they actually didn't even give it to a player. He gave it to an assistant coach who came up with the defensive game plan. So that's just one of those where he's been preaching the message the whole time. It's just everybody's healthy at the right time. And now that the game when the games matter this much, that's how like that the games matter now. And that's why they're locked in so much. It just it looks like they care more than they do normally and everyone's like oh normally they just take possessions off it's like yeah during the regular season they absolutely do i'll be 100 percent honest also uh petting my cat just so you know mpj is listed at 218 i don't know what he actually is but that's what he's listed at i don't um, think he's 218 bro i don't think he's 240 though i think he's yeah. i think he's probably I th he's he's a he's a very very muscular young man for how tall mm -hmm. he is those those yeah. tall guys get deceptively deceptive with their weight i don't think yeah, he's heavy 240 do. though 
They do. I mean, uh, you were talking about baseball, man. Vladimir Guerrero's is not the late he's weight he's listed out either. Yeah. So and yeah, no. So I don't know how much he weighs, but yeah, I don't, he don't weigh two forty. But those like that. I mean, that's. But then again, that's just going to like LeBron during the Miami years would be listed at like two forty, two fifty, and it's like, no, you're not. You're a human tank at six nine, two sixty, two sixty five. You're just you're too muscular to be anything less yeah 100 percent. i mean and i mean dennis rodman is always listed six eight even though he's like a six six so i mean that, that we we know these these things are exaggerated a little bit a little bit um, uh moving on gauge um as we move towards uh game four uh i gotta tell you the the mood is kind of uh i would say at best it's cautiously optimistic that they can maybe get one game and, you know, I think the general consensus from Lakers fans is if they get one game, they'll head back to uh, to, game, to game five in Denver. And that's probably all she wrote, because even though it's a tall order gauge, I mean, Denver's just playing at a level that I don't see the Lakers being able to beat them twice at home. Uh, how do you feel about the the momentum of this series weighing over the next game? You know, it's one of those things where I looked at, uh, I was sitting there and I was checking the box score and I was like following the game and I'm paying attention to it. And like you sit here and you're like, man, Jokic, Jokic was kind of underwhelming in game three. Only had like kind of had a rough game, only had... Uh, 24 points, only had eight assists, only had six rebounds, had four fouls, picked up two quick ones. That's what kind of why he was lower in that department. And then the Nuggets still won by 11, despite him only putting up 24 and only having eight assists. So it's like, because usually if Jokic only has like 24 points, you're like, oh, well, he probably had like 12, 13, 14 assists. And then it's like, oh, wait, no, he didn't. It's just everybody else stepped up. I mean, Murray had six assists. Bruce Brown had five off the bench. Porter had six. They had 30 as a team on a total of 44 made baskets. And a lot of those made baskets that weren't assisted were Jamal being Jamal and doing those crazy, doing the crazy stuff he did in the first half. Because there was a lot of times Murray was getting the ball off the inbound and just kind of going and doing, doing his own thing. And when he's feeling it like that, it's kind of like, uh, Steph Curry's the, the Steph Curry, the Damian Lillard. So those guys where it's just like when they get in that zone, you just kind of got to let them go. And when he's feeling it like that, you can't you can't shut that down. I mean, the guy was 13 for 20 in the first half, four of eight from three, 30 points. He only scored seven points in the second half. Yeah. And yeah, like two, two for nine. That's one of those where it's like, hey, this guy. Yeah, he had a quiet second half, but he did the work in the first half. And that's how you kind of get by. It's the same thing. Uh, Murray had, I want to, I think it was game. I think it was game two, that one game two against the Suns, where he shot like, it was like three for 17 or something like that at one point. And he made like two late baskets in the game to where it, so it was like final stat line. Everyone's like, man, Murray had a rough game. And it's like, yeah, he absolutely did. But it also, in the fourth quarter, he made two clutch baskets that, help put you over the top and, a, and gave you a win. So it's like, yeah, no, he had a rough game, but it's also as long as he shows up when it matters, like in the first half, hey, Jokic got two quick fouls. We need somebody to score, and, well, that's going to be you. So I I think it's a matter of just as long, like when everybody's willing to step up, that's what helps Denver keep pushing forward 
for the Lakers, it's a matter of one one big thing. LeBron's threes have to start falling. That's just it's it, I like I wish that there was a better a better thing to say. Like I mean, he shot three of six in game three, but he was only four of eleven uh, from the field overall. Kind of like or wait, no, that's sorry, that was that's the that's his halftime stats. My yeah, he was three of nine. Yeah, I had so he's eight for nineteen. He was three of nine, and he was over three in the first half. He was three of yeah. six in the second half, so he turned he it won. on. But it's also one of those like it might be a little too little, too late type of thing. Those threes have to fall early in the game because when Denver gets out to a lead, I will say they're terrible at holding down. Uh, they're terrible at holding lead. They scare the heck out of me. Uh, I mean, you've seen it. There was game one. They were up big, and they, the Lakers just came crawling back in. And that game got a lot closer than it should have. I will say, I felt that the whistle got a little too biased at the end of game one. And obviously, I think every fan's going to say that about their team when they feel the whistle's going against them. I felt with the way, because I've always said, like, as a coach in baseball, I'm like, I, I always talk to umpires. I'm like, I don't expect you to be perfect. I just want you to be consistent, man. As long as you can be the same way for my guys that you are for other guys, that's all I'm asking. Like I had a guy, I had an ump yesterday. He asked me after in like the second or third inning of the game, their pitcher was struggling a little bit. He's like, is my zone too tight? And I'm like, I don't think so. I was like, you've looked pretty consistent to me. I don't feel like you're squeezing anybody either way. It looks pretty good. If guys are missing spots, guys are missing spots. That's just how it goes. And in the NBA or in NBA basketball, whatever, I don't expect a ref to be perfect. I know missed calls are going to happen. That's part of the game. That's part of the human element of the game. I just want you to be consistent, and I want you to be consistent throughout. Like, if you're letting them play in the first half, like you're letting big hits go, you're letting hard fouls go, that's fine. But then when the game is close, you can't start getting antsy with the whistle and start saying, oh, that's a foul. It's like you've been letting that go for three and a half quarters. You can't just change your mind now because now it does look biased. Even if you're like, oh, no, it's a foul. It's like, okay, it's a foul. That's fine. But it wasn't a foul in the first quarter. And that's where my issue lies. But so I think the main thing for the Lakers is LeBron's three has to fall and another and D'Lo has to figure out some form of offense. I don't know what it's going to be, but he has struggled mightily in this series. And if they're going to win, they need him to put up more on offense specifically, but honestly, either end, because he's been getting thoroughly outplayed by Murray in this series. And you just can't have that happen. The fact that he's shooting 29% from the floor, 14% from three, that's just, you can't have that happen from one of your quote-unquote top guys in your lineup. Not at all, Gage. Not at all. And um, I had a uh, interview with um, one of our great chat room uh, artists. Uh, her, na- her name is Zangerstein. Uh, she had mentioned that um, the pace at which the Lakers played that three guard lineup is a 97, which would be on pace for, you know, uh, 2003, 2007 uh, NBA. Uh, so it's not working whatsoever. Um, but Darvin Ham has said before, and this is a quote from December Gage. He said that one of the reasons why he's so enamored with the three guard lineup and it's basically his hammer for every problem offensively is that he believes that the three guard lineup will enable the team to gain more possessions and therefore more opportunities. Now, as we just heard, 
They're playing at a, a 97 pace. So you're right. Somehow D'Lo has to figure out what he can do to help this team because Gage, he's played two really good games in the playoffs for the Lakers. He played well in, in the closeout game in game six against the Grizzlies. And he also played well in the closeout game uh, against Golden State. Now, against Golden State, he was able to uh, back down smaller guards, particularly Steph Curry, uh, shoot his turnaround jumpers with with regularity and with consistency. Jamal Murray did that to the Lakers guards in uh, in Game Two, Gage, and I was watching it, thinking, you know, something. D'Lo does not have Jamal's physical gifts, but what he does have is a dead-eye shot when he's going, but he is not doing the things he needs to do offensively. And Gage, I think a large uh, contributor to that is the fact that he's being destroyed defensively. Um, there's only so much help you can give somebody in, in the playoffs. This is playoff basketball. It's very difficult. Um, but he can't play one-on-one defense for, for this team for more than 30 minutes gauge without being a detriment because if his shot isn't falling, uh, Denver has just decided we are just going to destroy him whenever he's on the court. You know, there's, there's a similar player for the nuggets, but he's actually taken kind of a step forward because he's really wanting to live up to the idea of. I want to play winning basketball. I don't want to put up stats. And that's Michael Porter Jr. During the regular season, there were games where Michael Porter Jr. was really active on defense. And then you were like, man, Mike's getting after it tonight. That's weird. He he normally kind of takes nights off, takes possessions off. He's more concerned about getting out, uh, getting the outlet pass, putting up a three as quick as he can. And then you go and you look and you're like, oh, he's three for four from three. And it's five minutes into and it's, Five minutes in the second quarter. That's why he's so active on defense. When he's active on offense and active and going, he loves playing defense. And I think that there's a lot of guys in the NBA that are like that. I think a lot of times it is guys that tend to be like they're more offensive minded, which in the modern NBA, most guys are. Most guys are offensive minded. That's just how it is. And D'Lo right now, his shot isn't falling. And therefore, He's taking some defensive possessions off. And I'm not trying – like, I'm never going to call anybody out. D'Lo would smoke me in a game of basketball if we played one-on-one. That's just – but I'm also just talking about it as it is, which is right now, defensively, he's not bringing what he needs to. His bag is not as deep as Murray. Uh, Murray's he's not as fluid of a shooter as Murray is. He, now, when he gets hot, yeah, he can be, can be white hot and he can really light it up. But Murray has the ability to – hey, my three-point shot's not falling tonight. Let me go down in the post and let me go do something down there. And he'll wear guys out because he is a bit bigger for a point guard. Like, he's he's six, he's a true 6'5". Like mm-hmm. he's, not, like he's not a small guy. He's, no. he's a bigger guy. He's got some size to him, and he can generally hang out down there, whereas most guys can't at, at the point guard position. And D'Lo especially. D'Lo's a taller guard, but he's not. he doesn't have the – the size to match in terms of like, hey, if I go down here, Murray's gonna definitely gonna be able to back me down and just get to the rim and or get to his his step back where he gets the bump on you, and then just it happens so often where it's so quick where he backs you down, backs you down, and then just enough of a 
like a hip bump to get just a little bit of separation and that step back just it's so fluid he's so good at it and does it so often it's just it's routine and when i see him put that shot up and he doesn't make it it's almost kind of surprising to me it's the same thing as when i see Jokic take his like 10 or his like 12 foot jumper like along the baseline i'm like that's going in like, yeah. and it doesn't i'm like that's not right that's no something happened there's a foul there's a fly that landed on the ball something weird happened there because like that's just those guys there's guys that have their spots in the nba and when they get to their spot and they don't make the shot you're like something ain't right yes a hundred percent a hundred percent uh as we're plugging along here gage this is a great conversation by the way man really enjoying it i'm gonna ask ask you a trivia question okay all righty so, all right so in the history of the nba no team has ever come back from 03 down we know this there are two teams that have come down from 03 to force a game seven can gage bridgeford name those two squads I'm not even gonna lie. I can't. I 100% can't. I I used to know the answer, um, because I had found it once when I was rec- uh when the Nuggets did their back-to-back three-one comebacks, and I've and I've looked it up before, uh, but I've not. I can't remember it off the top of my head. I feel like one like you would think. Oh, one's got to be a Lakers squad, but Lakers squad probably would have completed the comeback, so it's probably not one of those. Uh, it's got to be like a Portland maybe. Um, wow, you are incredible, Gage. Yes, the 2003 Jailblazers. Okay, uh, we're down 03 to the Mavs, Jason Kidd and uh, Dirk's Mavs, and managed to come back, but forced a game seven. Dirk took over, and the Mavs won. Now, the other team, Gage, is your Denver Nuggets, brother. Okay, well, that like I said, I was like, I'm, I was like, I'm sure that I'm gonna miss one, and I could honestly, I should have guessed that when you said that, like, let's see if he knows it. I was like, it's gonna be a Nuggets team, and I'm gonna look like I just don't know anything. No, no, not at all, man. Like, I love, I love your history. Like, you, you got the Trailblazer. Nobody would ever guess Portland. Well, that that was the thing is I guessed Portland because I'm like, okay, what? Like, I tried to go off of teams and what they are known for in terms of i was like it's not a team that's ever won anything it's gonna or it's not a team that's won anything recently it's a team that's got an established history of they come up just a little bit short and i was like portland seems like the one where they've been good enough for a long time that maybe they would have done it and i i will say i did just look it up now like when you said the denver team and i was like okay so it happened before i was ever even born so like i don't feel as bad (laughs) <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's funny, man. But uh, you know, that's that that was a great squad. That uh Dikembe Matumbo Lafonso Ellis squad was really fun. And of course they completed that uh incredible comeback against the Sonics and they almost did it to the Jazz, which would have been a, a cherry on top. Like it it so we know that it doesn't happen, Gage. It hasn't happened yet. I don't think it'll happen this time. So before we wrap up the interview, uh, I'd love to have you back on again, but I know your schedule's busy. So um, pending uh, a Denver Nuggets fourth victory, and they'll be the participant for the Western Conference in the NBA Finals. How do you see them matching up with, well, I'm just going to say it, Gage, the Miami Heat. Because the Heat currently have a 29-point lead with five minutes left in the third quarter, up 2-0 already. You know, 
Jimmy Butler scares me to death because, and at the same time, like for any, like, I don't know how many like younger people listen to this, but if you are a younger person, you play sports, it doesn't matter if it's basketball, baseball, football, lacrosse, soccer, what, whatever you may play. Jimmy Butler is who every single athlete should strive to be because Jimmy Butler does not care what you think about him. Doesn't care if you like him. Doesn't care if you are a fan of his. Doesn't care if you want to wear his shoe. Doesn't care if you think he's like he's funny because he listens to country music or the fact that he drives a minivan or anything else. The dude shows up and just and just plays ball and just tries to win and that's it. Like that, it's it's that simple. Like he's not even having a huge game tonight. It's Caleb Martin is having a good game and. Uh, Gabe Vincent had a good third quarter. He's got 18. Gabe Vincent leads them right now with 18. Jimmy's got 12, 6, and 6 on 4 and 9 shooting. Kevin Love got hurt five minutes into the game. Uh, Bam's got 13, 2, and 3, and he's got three fouls. Just sometimes you have to come out and just play hard. That's And that's that simple. And it's a matter of who wants it more. And Jimmy Butler does scare the hell out of me in terms of just there's not many guys that have that just killer instinct type thing. You're all in middle school. That's not, that's cool, man. I don't, th- I don't think you're messing with me, but that's cool. No, that's PMC petting my cat. He's one of our uh, great regulars. Yes. Yes. Got Resident smart ass. Good okay, guy. That's, that's fine. Hey, that's fine with me. Trust me. I am, I am a, I am a smart ass myself. So that's perfectly fine. I coach high school baseball. So I have to deal with smart asses pretty much every day. So how are you guys doing this year? You know, uh, I'm a JV coach mostly, so uh, it's more about development. We did better than we did last year. Uh, got a, The program that we have is better than it's ever been uh, in terms of just there's a lot of young talent. There's a lot of talent between the freshman and sophomore classes. We got a lot of talented kids. Came up a little bit short in a couple of games that we shouldn't have. Uh, made a couple dumb coaching decisions here and there. Uh, a couple dumb player decisions here and there. But for the most part, it's just, Every every player on the team, I feel, got better from the start of the year to now. Uh, the varsity squad uh, is playing some of their best ball of the year. They won, I think, five of their last seven games, so that's good stuff. So uh, hoping to go into sectionals this week and maybe come out with a win there, but uh, just got to go one game at a time. But like I said, the Miami Heat, I think that Denver matches up well with them in pretty much every area, but it's and the playoffs, things just get different. Teams get squirrely. Uh, the lights get brighter. Um, rotations get smaller. And it's just going to come down to who like I, like who wants it more sounds so cliche. But at the same time, Jimmy has willed the heat to being within one game of the finals just by wanting it more than everybody else. Like through three, through two series, two and a half series now. That's just what it's been. It's been. Jimmy Butler finishing every game like he rolled his ankle against the Knicks. Everyone's like, "Oh, there's no way he's playing." Not, not only is he not, not only, he didn't even leave the game. No, he just sh- laced up his shoe a little tighter and just kept playing. And that's what it. Th- at the end of the day, that's what it is. Same thing goes for like LeBron now. LeBron's been playing through a foot injury for um, over a month now, and I think as soon as the season's over, he's gonna go get surgery on that, and we're gonna be like, "Oh, wow, LeBron was playing through this." Mm-hmm. So it's just one of those where. I think I think Denver matches up well with Miami. I'm pretty sure if I'm not mistaken, I believe Denver went two and zero against them in the regular season. That's so, right. 
Uh, but I don't put a ton of stock into that because if I'm not mistaken, I feel like Bam and Jimmy missed one of those two games. That's or right. at least, or I think it was, yeah, I think it was the first meeting they missed. Uh, but they both missed, and Denver only won by five, and Denver was at home. Despite and if I'm not mistaken, that was early on in the year too. Oh nope, I was mistaken. Or they they both played. They both played both games. I feel like, but I feel like somebody was missing from Miami. I just can't remember who it was. But it oh no, it was in the Kyle second. No, this, the second. It might have been Lowry. That might have been what it was. And then in the second game, Jamal Murray didn't play. So I okay, think that's maybe sense. where my thing was. But so it's just one of those where you throw out the regular season, it doesn't matter. And all that matters is who's the best for those three, two and a half to three weeks of games. And whoever it is, whether I hope it's my team, knock on wood. Um, and if it's not, Miami earned it. And then we ha- then we'll have another three months of does the regular season even matter? And every team's going to have to debate that. And every talk show will get to talk about that. So that'll be fun. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news? information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers, well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. I will say this, Gage. I think the head coaching matchup in that series is really juicy. Uh, Michael Malone, Eric Spolstra. uh, I really admire Michael Malone's creativity. uh, Always have. Um, You know, I I have a, you know what? A small part of me is going to root for Denver, man. I'm not going to lie. You know, Jamal Murray's from my hometown. I remember Michael Malone's dad, Brendan, coaching for the Raptors. So, you know, a small part of me is is going to be wanting to see them win, man, because I saw the elated joy on my friends and um, neighbors' faces when the Raptors won their title and when they never thought in their wildest lifetimes, Gage, living in Toronto, they'd ever see their team win a title. That would be an amazing feat, all right? And so that's why I'm rooting for them because Gage Bridgeford and the True Nuggets fans, they've earned it, man. They've earned it. I have been lucky that I caught on to writing and got onto the Nuggets beat right when they started getting good. Uh, they've made the playoffs every year since I've started writing. They've been getting a little bit better every single year. Um they are finally healthy at the right time. They're finally playing good ball. Like they're playing great ball at the right time. And like I said, 20 minutes ago, the best team in every sport that wins a championship plays their best ball at the right time. UConn just did it in the NCAA tournament. They were a four seed. They kind of went in under, under like underrated. They did. They honestly, the fact that they were a four seed was a little disrespectful, but you sit there and you look at it and then they went out and they smoked everybody every single night. And to the people that say, oh, well, the Lakers need to be in the finals or the Celtics need to be in the finals because the ratings are going to be trash otherwise, guess what? 
I don't care. I, I don't care about the ratings because the people that want to see good basketball will see good basketball by one team. And then the Miami Heat will play zombie basketball where they just drag you down to the mud and they make the game miserable for three hours. And I'll still watch every single game and I'll watch every minute of it because you only get to see your team make the finals. It doesn't happen all that often. Like other than like the Warriors and like obviously the Lakers have made the finals plenty of times in their career and Celtics have, but even then, like the Lakers have only made the finals once in the last fifteen or like twelve years, thirteen years, whatever it is. Twenty ten. So once in the last, you know, ten years. And so other than that, like it's been the the Warriors, the Heat made it obviously a few times, the Cavs a few times. Basically, if you were a fan of LeBron, you were your team was making the finals, but other than that, it doesn't happen all that often. The Raptors, no. they wrapped the Raptors got had the door shut on them multiple times before they finally broke through. And even then it took Clay and KD both getting hurt. And I'm not trying to take the title away from them. I'm not at all. Like I understand some people say that, and it's like, well, you know what? You play the cards you're dealt. You can't say, nope, we'll go ahead and we'll delay the finals for a year until you guys get all your guys healthy, and then we'll go ahead and play it. It's not how it works. You play against the team that's in front of you. And at the end of the day, they're all still NBA players. They're all still like you still had Steph Curry in his absolute peak of his powers, and Draymond was a few years younger. So it's just you play who you get, and you get to watch your team go. And it doesn't matter if the ratings are going to be terrible. I don't think they will be. I think they'll be fun. I think the teams will find. I think that a lot of fans that maybe don't watch a ton of Nuggets games will get to see a team that they're like, hey, this team's actually pretty fun to watch, and then they'll get to see whatever random heat guard Spo has decided decided tonight. Hey, tonight you're going to go for 25. Just so you know, wait, wait, what? Huh? Yeah, no, you're going to go for 25. How do you know? I just, you know, I just have a feeling that I'm just going to get the most out of you that you've ever had in your career. Cause that's what he does. And like you said, he's one of like, he in my, he's one of the best, probably three coaches in the NBA right now might even be higher up on that list, depending on who you like, how you break it down. He is just one of the best coaches in the, in the NBA right now. He gets the most out of every single guy that he has, and that's why they're on the doorstep of going to a finals for the second time in three years. A hundred percent. I will say this. You know, one thing that's, that Spo often doesn't get credit for is that oftentimes his teams look very different in May than they do in December. And he, like you said, a lot of that has to do with him being able to get under the hood and really see what's going on, good and bad, uh, with his team. And it bodes well for them and it bodes well for that organization. But as we depart for tonight, Gage, thank you again for, for coming on, man. Lead writer of the Denver Stiffs. I'm a huge fan of yours. I learned something new every time I read one of your articles, man appreciate you coming on the Lakers fast break. It's been very cordial and hope to have you back on in the summer so we can discuss what moves uh, Denver made in the summer and what you think about them. Uh, thank you. Yeah, no, I, uh, I was glad to be on here. Like I said, this is my first time podcasting uh, over a month now. Glad to be back behind the mic camera. Hopefully should be fixed here soon. I should be getting a new one because the one that I had just decided, Hey, we're done working. I was like, all right, cool. Thanks. I always love talking ball. Uh, whether it's basketball, football, baseball, whatever. I never mind talking to rivals. Like I, I, like I said, I do a Packers podcast and people are like, oh, so you probably hate Bears fans. And I'm like, no, I hate people that are heads, but I don't hate, I don't hate Bears fans. 
if you want to have a good talk with me, cool, man. I'm I'm all about it. Like I I got no problem having a a good conversation with anybody. Like my DMs are open. I respond to basically every single message I'm sent, every single uh tweet that I'm tagged in. I try to reply to whether it's whatever it's about. Like as long as you're coming with a good conversation, you're not trying to just get into an argument. Because like if you want to argue, I'm not gonna waste my energy on you. I wish you the best. Have a good day. But like it doesn't matter if you're in enemy quote unquote or if you're a fan of the team that i'm a fan of as long as you're trying to have a good conversation about it i'm i'm about that for those that don't follow me that's uh perfectly fine but if you want to you can follow me on twitter at g bridgeford nfl i understand that this is an nba podcast and i mostly talk nba stuff anymore but i that's been my twitter handle forever and so it's probably not changing anytime soon like i said i do the pack a day podcast once a week i do fantasy football writing in the fall, as well as some gambling content with uh, Rotoballer. Uh, as you said, I, I'm the lead writer for Denver Stiffs. Right now, we are coming through the end of a transition phase due to some SB Nation funding uh, decisions that were kind of out of, out of our control. I've dialed back my writing a little bit, but uh, the plan is to, in the summer and then heading into next season, to kind of ramp that back up, kind of get the site being a little more active, putting up a little bit more bringing on some more writers and putting out some more content. Uh, one of my big things that I always did was called Film Friday. It was It's one of my favorite things to write. I love doing it because it's, I get to talk about a new topic every single week, and I was very consistent about it. I wrote it pretty much every single Friday for about two and a half to three years. Some weeks uh, the film was easy to come by. Some weeks it wasn't, but the links to that are all going to be always on my Twitter. It's easy just to find it all there, and thanks for having me on. You are welcome, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Great conversation. And uh, as we depart, I got to say, go Lakers, even though we're down 0-3. Best of luck for uh, Gage Bridford. Special guest tonight. Can't thank him enough. Busy schedule. We'll see you all next time on Lakers Weekend. Bye-bye, everybody.